0: Hey, thanks so much for joining with us, wherever you find yourself, whether you're podcasting, downloading in, or wherever you may be, we're grateful that we can be together in this form. Um, Maundy Thursday gatherings is something that we have been investing in as a church for the last several years. Obviously, our current season doesn't allow us to gather in place together, but we we so appreciate the technological opportunity to still lean into this beautiful expression of Jesus. Uh, if you're not familiar with Maundy Thursday, I grew up in the Episcopal tradition. Uh, the origin etymology of Maundy itself, it's not a word you're going to find in the scriptures. It's Middle English, Maundy, from Old French, Monday. Uh, from the Latin term mandatum, which means command or order. And it's taken from the words spoken by Jesus to his disciples after washing their feet at the Last Supper. Where he says, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. John 13 and verse 34. So Monday Thursday is an observance of that time Jesus had uh, with his disciples, the Last Supper uh, where uh, they broke bread together, they had communion together, and Jesus washed his feet. So we're going to be working through that. You know, within our seventy-one word series, we're following the lead of the disciples as they ask Jesus, "Hey, teach us how to pray." And that uh, inquisition, that that query, is not just a folding of the hands praying, but they're asking their rabbi, "Hey, how do you live? How do you?" ask, yes, how do you entreat? But more importantly, how do you will? How do you lean with who you are? Uh, Jesus is God. He draws lines in the sand and separates us from our past, but he is also the one who gives us a way to go. He gives us a journey to embark upon. He does so much more for us in his God capacity as he gives us a way to continue to grow and to continue to be healed and become who he has intended for us to be. So within this series again 71 words showing us how to pray, think, dream, interact and be human. We want to lean into this Monday Thursday uh, observance. Now, depending on how long you've been with Jesus or in community of faith, Uh, Not everything God invites us to is easy. I don't want to spoil the party here if you think, hey, everything about God has just been so much fun. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that has been your experience. But the reality is not everything God invites us to is easy. Much of it is actually kind of difficult. Many things God has for us are hard in fact in in john chapter 6 there's this moment where jesus is speaking and there's a crowd around him and, and eventually the crowd dissipates it says uh, many of his disciples not just the crowd but many of his disciples turn back and no longer walk with him of course these at this point aren't the 12 but people who are close to him so jesus turns to the 12 who haven't turned away and says do you want to go away as well Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. The whole point I'm trying to make is that people are turning away, even in the midst of the healing and the preaching and the teaching, because Jesus is offering him them something that is difficult. We can trust in the most difficult dynamics offered us. God has determined we would become who he has intended for us to be. What we're looking at uh, today and tomorrow are the last moments of Jesus' life. Tomorrow we're going to have a Good Friday gathering as well. And, and there's just something to be known about the law of last. Right, when you, If you know these are the last moments you're going to share with people who are close to you, you're going to think through carefully what words you will speak. What do you want to leave them with? What impression do you want them to to have in the memories of you. And we, we're just human. Of course, even God in the form of Jesus is thinking through, these are the last moments I'm going to have with my disciples. And so we can uh, understand that there's the law of the last, that these words and these interactions are precious to God. And so they should be precious to us. In Luke chapter 22, It says when the hour came, he, Jesus, reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you. Meaning this is a place that he's been waiting for. This is a moment he's been looking towards. He says, "This is a place I've earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God." And he took a cup, and when he'd given thanks, he said, "Take this and divide it among yourselves, for I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes." And he took bread, and when he'd given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, "This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup. After they had eaten, saying, This cup is poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood. And this is a place where they break bread and they spill that wine together. They drink it together. This is communion. God is not just a smart God, he's genius. He is the creator of the universe. God uses a pre-existing habit necessary for survival to intertwine his presence and power. He's saying, every time you do this, every time you eat, every time you drink, I want you to remember what I have done for you. Another place to understand the width and breadth of a meal is in Luke chapter 19, when Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector, is climbing a tree to get a glimpse at God in the flesh to get a glimpse of this rabbi known as Jesus and Jesus unbeknownst to him is looking for him. He turns to him in the tree and says hey Zacchaeus calls him by name. Zacchaeus thinks he's trying to look at Jesus all the while Jesus knows exactly where he is. He says Zacchaeus come down out of that tree I want to have dinner with you. This is not just a dinner invitation. Everybody starts to get frustrated and up in a bit of a riot in Luke chapter 19 because don't they know Zacchaeus is a sinner? Don't they know that he's the, the chief tax tax collector? Doesn't Jesus know? And of course he does know. And dinner is so much more than dinner. It's, it's the language of, of investing in one another. Being not only with, but for one another. It's, it's transactional language. Communion is not just a meal. It's something deeper than that. We are a forgetful creation. But God, according to Jesus, has an earnest desire for us to remember our redemption. I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you. It makes me think of 1 Corinthians six nineteen and 20, the, the revelation Paul gives to the Corinthian church. Because we think we're just bodies, and maybe a soul here, but flesh and bone. Do you not know that your body is a temple, Paul writes, of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. And so what I'd love for what we would do, uh, but you can do in your own home or wherever you are, take the bread, take the cup, celebrate communion, be mindful and remember who Christ is, what He has accomplished, and the invitation He is giving to you. You can take a moment, just pause. If you'd like to turn over with me to John chapter 13, it's just another frame of the same circumstance. God offers us difficult things, He also offers us awkward things. In my own personal uh, journey with Jesus, I remember the process of walking into worship and being uncomfortable as people were seemingly emotional. Uh, Some were dancing, some were lifting their hands, Uh, and it was more than being difficult, it was awkward. It took a long season for me, and even some days, because of where I am and what's going on in my my heart, my soul, uh, it can be awkward to worship. But God gives us these difficult and these awkward things because He wants us to step into who we really are. Foot washing is not uncommon in Jesus' day. And even still, in many places around the world, similar habits are still engaged, practically, but also more demonstratively for the conveyance of honor. It's not just to wash somebody's feet, but it's to give honor to the person. I mean, just think about, in Jesus' day, they're not rolling around in their Nikes or their Adidas or their Yeezys or whatever else. By and large, people might have sandals, but they're also walking around barefoot. There's going to be a lot of junk. And this is not just well paved roads. There are animals. St- let's just, just suffice it to say it's funky. It's it's Colonial Williamsburg on its worst day. Muck, mire, worn, calloused feet. I mean these aren't the pretty feet that have been filed down and had you know some some appointments getting the nails did right. There's a lot of stuff going on. there was a there was a phrase that they would speak to one another in the Jewish tradition. May you be covered in the dust of your rabbi, because you were walking slow so closely behind your rabbi, because you were so intimate with, because you were following, you were going, you would actually be covered in that muck, in that mire. The action of foot washing is not uncommon. but Jesus here, in Luke 22 and John 13, as we see here, Jesus is the guest of honor. And so, while the action is not uncommon in terms of washing that person's feet, the way this happens is completely unheard of. It's, it's out of order. It's, it's not too strong to even call it scandalous or wrong. Because Jesus in the position of honor is the one that does the foot washing. We, we see once again, not just here, but through the whole of the Gospels, Jesus doing something that is very much out of order, way different than the appropriate, the expected, the way it's always been, the way it should be. It's upside down in the world's eyes. And let's remember, this is not random. This is a moment, we just read it, born out of Jesus' earnest desire. So let me read this passage again, another frame. Now before, this is John chapter 13 verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew the hour had come, again we see this is the law of the last moment. This is not just a random happenstance. Jesus sees this moment coming, he has seen it coming, and now it has come. It had come for him to depart out of this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were not in the world, he loved them to the end. And during supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, verse 3, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God. Now pause. Much of what I'm going to share is difficult and awkward, and such is the gospel of Jesus Christ. But it begins with the firm understanding that God is at the center. Jesus sees this moment coming. He has now arrived at this place, but in verse 3 we get this really beautiful principle that we would all do well to plant in our hearts. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and he had come from God and was going back to God. It's amazing how nothing can calm a soul in the middle of a raging storm, even in a coronavirus epidemic. Then nothing can calm a a soul more than knowing, man, God brought me here. God will bring me through it. God will bring me out of it. And Keep reading. Verse 4. Within that context, he rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Jesus, in this moment, and not just here, but everywhere else in the scriptures, this is not divergent from his character. I just want to remind us. But Jesus forever displays when you have any authority, you are to entirely embrace servanthood. He poured the water into the basin. He began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He girded himself. If I could speak to, very frankly, those who are married today, the spouses, husbands, love your wives, serve them. Jesus describes... This moment where he is girding himself. He is taking on the form of a servant. No one's telling him to do it. He's doing of his own volition. I'm mindful of Paul's words in Ephesians 5.25 where he looks to the husbands, every single one of us, and he says, hey, lay your life down for your, chur- for your wife even as Jesus laid his life down for the church. Guys, that is a massive illustration for us to lay our lives down Parents and fathers, don't provoke your children. Serve them. Moms and dads, love them. Whether it's your employers or employees, young people. If there's any ounce of authority in your life to lead, that same ounce also calls upon you within the words of Jesus to love and to serve. And just look at these moments. Because as Jesus gets up, he pours. He washes the feet. He's wiping them. And it says in verse 6, He came to Simon Peter. Now up until this point, you can just imagine the room, and I don't want to add anything to scripture, but Jesus is the rabbi. He's the honored guest. He's the one that they believe they have followed for three years and they believe is, is going to lead them to victory, overthrowing the Herodians, overthrowing the Romans, uh, restoring the temple. I mean, there's so much expectation. And then he gets up and washes their feet. I mean, this is crazy. You, could, you probably could have heard a pin drop. They're all just aghast. <gasps> What's he doing? And he's just going from person to person, from person to person, silently, quietly serving. Of course, Peter always has something to say. So he comes to Peter and Peter says, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but my hands and my feet and my head and everything in between. Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. You are clean, but not every one of you. And he's speaking of Judas, for he knew who was to betray him. Verse 12, when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments, he took that form of the servant and put on his his regular garments he resumed his place of honor and said do you understand what I have done to you you call me teacher and lord and you're right for so I am if I then your lord and teacher have washed your feet you also ought to wash another's feet for I've given you an example that you also should do as I've done to you truly truly I say to you a servant is not greater than his master nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Man, I mean, we misunderstand heaven's paradoxes because we exist on earth. We are inundated with either or, right or wrong, us and them. God forever encourages us towards both and. We see it elsewhere. Glory and suffering, somehow finding a way to be together, faith and stewardship, working in tandem, mercy and truth, sinners and redeemed. Here we see the ultimate expression, Christ the King and Christ the Servant. Later on, when he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. Verse 34, a new commandment. I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have loved for one another. God never creates authority to control or lord over. He creates authority so there can be love in relationship, so there can be service to one another. And, and here's the thing. God doesn't serve others because it's new. He's not doing something in this foot washing that has never been done before. He's doing it because it has been ignored. It has always been tilted towards those in, quote unquote, places of honor and authority. But Jesus flips the script, so to speak, and says, no, if you have any ounce of authority, you are to use every single ounce of to serve others. Another passage of scripture that speaks directly to this that we often disconnect is in Philippians chapter 2. And I just want to read it verses 1 through 11 with this mindset that we have in, in Jesus at the Last Supper and the foot washing experience. Paul writes So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit any affection and sympathy complete my joy by being of the same mind having the same love being in full accord and of one mind do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit but in humility count others more significant than yourselves come on church i mean these are huge words being shared by paul the 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 use of any Any, 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 be of the same mind, do nothing, but count others. Not some, not this one or that one, others. More significant than yourselves. Verse 4. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. He's referring to the example of Jesus. Verse 6, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He is God in the flesh, he's saying. Jesus is God in the flesh, and yet he didn't hang his hat on that. He didn't grasp at that. But verse 7, he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Guys, he's referring to the Last Supper He's referring to not only the illustration, but the life that he lived. That no one made him do it, but he took it. We're mindful even of Jesus praying in the garden, which we'll speak to uh, later. But he wants, Father, take the cup, take the cup, take the cup. He prays it because it's difficult and it's hard. And no one forces him to do it. But he says, not your will, not my will, but yours be done. He takes it willingly. Christ makes perfectly clear the more power and authority you have, the bigger your role, responsibility, and opportunity to love others practically, to serve them. And so what we would do at this moment, if we were gathered together, is we put out hand towels, we have put out basins filled with water, And serve one another by washing feet. I told you it's difficult. I told you it's awkward. And quite honestly, every time that we've done this, it has been difficult. It has been awkward. And I always ask myself, Christoph, do you really want to do this again? It's awkward because people wash my feet and I wash other people's feet. But it's not even just the activity. I would encourage you, it's speaking life over that person. Telling them how much you appreciate them. Tell them how much you honor them and love them. We don't have the opportunity to gather together and do this, but you can engage this opportunity in your own home. Maybe with your kids. Maybe with your spouse. Maybe with friends if you're gathered together in those means. And maybe it's not a foot washing. Maybe it's just... A conversation, a moment of intimacy, a massage between spouses or time spent with one another. Find space where you choose to take on the form of a servant. Not just because someone expects it or they ask it or your role makes it need to happen. But rather because you, out of the love and concern in your heart, choose to humble yourself and serve somebody else. Let me leave you all with a benediction. But before I do that, I just encourage you to enter into this wonderful opportunity to serve someone and observe this Monday Thursday gathering, the Last Supper communion experience, but the foot washing as well. The example that Jesus gives us, again, not just to see Him do, but also enter in with Him in our capacity. May we be a people who are mindful of Christ's death, his sacrifice of his own volition for us. May we be served by Christ, and may we serve others with him. And may we always remember that with Jesus, it only gets better. Love you all so much.